one of the first youth retreats I led uh, just after coming, or within a, a few months of coming, to Covenant as an assistant pastor and youth minister was to a, a retreat facility near Ozone, Arkansas, in the heart of the Ozark Mountains. And one event really impressed me on that retreat. On the Saturday night of that weekend, I was out sitting with some others outside under this beautiful, brilliant, starry sky. And I had forgotten how light pollution in the city actually hinders the appearance of the night sky. But being out in the middle of the Ozark Mountains at some, in some gorge with no city lights, it was as if a veil had been lifted from my eyes. And the stars seemed to fill up most of the sky, stretching from horizon to horizon. I was reminded that God made those stars to shine in the darkness. And it was a brilliant, shiny affair that evening. Similarly, God has saved you and me to shine as lights in this crooked, twisted, dark world in which we live. Our theme today is this. The Christian life is a life of repentance, it is a life of faith, and it is a life of obedience, and obedient Christians shine as witnesses to the glory and majesty of the exalted Christ. Now, before I read our passage today, I want to remind us of the context of these verses in Philippians chapter 2. If you look back at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, you'll find the Apostle Paul exhorting the Philippians, let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And the previous two sermons were focused on Philippians 2, 1 through 11, where we saw that one way the Philippians were to live a life worthy of the gospel was by following the example of Christ in humility. The humility that we see in verses 5 through 8, that beautiful picture of Christ humbling himself even to the point of death. And now in our passage today, the Apostle Paul is saying another way that you live worthy of the calling of the gospel is that you not only follow Christ's example of humility, but you follow Christ's example of obedience. And we see Christ's example of obedience also being reflected in that beautiful passage of chapter 2, that hymn of Christ, or hymn to Christ, in verses 5 through 11. And so today we're looking at obedience. We're looking at obedient Christians shining we're looking at the motivation for our obedience, some examples of obedience, the goal of obedience, and the result of obedience. We're, we'll be talking about a lot of things. Before we go further, let's read the passage. So turn to Philippians 2, verses 12 through 18. Philippians 2, 12 through 18. 
now God's word for God's people. Do you believe that? I do too. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things, uh uh-oh, do all things without grumbling or disputing, we might even add complaining, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be poured, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It is perfect, and it revives the soul, and may it revive our souls even today. Let us now commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we have read your word, the eternal, perfect word that you have revealed to us, I pray that you would use it to work in our hearts, and we know that's the work of God the Holy Spirit in applying the very Word of God to our hearts. That which has been inspired and revealed is now illuminated in our hearts and minds. Do that work today, and Lord, cause us to see that we are to work as hard as we can to obey And that our effort is a response to your ultimate work in us. In Christ's name, amen. By the way, that's what I want you to go home with today. That we are to work. (laughs) I mean, we are to get on with striving, working, plowing, whatever adjective you want to use. We are to work at obeying, but yet we need to see that work as a response to the powerful, ultimate, determinative work of God that is poured out in each one of us. So now let us have the benediction. No, just kidding, because I've got three points to share with you this morning. See, that's a problem with telling you what I want you to go home with, because you, okay, let's go home. All right, but before you go home, I want to talk about three things. These three things, work out do all be glad. Just work out, do all be glad. You see it on page five of your bullet. Because Paul is making an appeal in this passage of scripture. He is appealing to the Philippians. He is appealing to you and me to progress, to continually obey God more and more. That's the appeal. Work out, do all, and be glad. Well, let's work out. Verses 12 through 13. Work out, Paul says, your own salvation. Work out your own salvation so that the manner in which you live 
results in shining as a witness to the glory and majesty of the exalted Christ. We need to be careful to understand what Paul means by the term salvation here. He is not referring to how one gets saved. He's not referring to the work of salvation that we talked about in baptism that God does, as great and glorious as that is. No, I believe he's referring to the fact that one who is saved is going to live consistent with being saved. So salvation here is referring to how one lives as a saved person. My children learned that I had a look. And when I gave that certain look, they knew that they better stop disobeying and get to obeying quickly or else. You know the look. I won't give it to you now because I don't want any of you to be concerned. But that look struck, and the kids talk about this. It's hilarious. I didn't know I had a look other than cute, but anyway. That look struck fear and trembling in my children. I love it. I try to do that with my dog. It doesn't work as well. But anyway, it struck fear and trembling in them to straighten up and start obeying me. Well, Paul seems to be saying a similar thing as we look at the context of this passage. And it's not that Paul is saying Jesus has a look, and when you get that look, ooh, you better straighten up. No. What Paul is saying is that Jesus has a status. Jesus has a state, that exalted, glorious state. It's not a look that motivates us. It's who he is and where he is in his exalted glory in heaven. Look at verse 12. Therefore, Paul says, as you have always obeyed, so now, meaning, as you have been obeying, great, good job. As you're obeying now, fantastic. Paul says, now keep, keep going. Get on with it. Keep growing in obedience. And their obedience, Paul noted in verse 12, is not based on his presence. Because he says, hey, if I'm with you or if I'm apart from you, I want you to be growing in obedience. Why did he say that? Because what really counts is not the presence of the Apostle Paul to motivate obedience in the lives of the Philippians. It's the fact that they live and move and have their being before the presence of the glorious, majestic, and exalted Christ. Because the context of verse 12, the little therefore is therefore to cause us to go back to verses 9 through 11 that we've already studied. Where as low as Christ descended in his humiliation, ultimate humiliation, even so as high as he was exalted back to his glorious state position at the right hand of the Father. And Paul is saying in light of the glorious, majestic, and exalted Christ, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And he says, my presence doesn't matter a bit because even in my absence, how much more should you be working out your own salvation because you're before the presence of the exalted Christ? This means that our effort 
to progress in sanctification, our effort to grow in continually obeying Jesus more and more is not some frivolous, casual affair. No. It is to be done with sincerity, with solemnity, with submission, for in the presence of the Almighty. We ought to offer our lives as we were called to worship this morning as a living sacrifice, poured out as it were, as witnesses to the glory and majesty of the exalted Christ. Well, that's what we find here in verse 12. This is why Paul says, work, strive, pursue, endeavor to grow in obedience, motivated, not who is in our presence, but whose presence we're in, the exalted Christ presence. If Paul stopped here, verse 12, if there was no verse 13, we, we would really be in quite a place of no hope. And I say that because there is no way in the world we can be, we can work hard enough to be sanctified. We would fear and tremble, yes, we would have awe and reverence before Christ, but it wouldn't be in the sense that Paul is using here. We'd be terrified because of the judge who would condemn us because we're not good enough. But that's not where Paul stops. He keeps going. Verse 13. What, what, God, what God, pro, God provides what we need to accomplish what he commands. And so this first command, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In verse 13, Paul says, God has provided the power source for you to do that, that very thing. In verse 13, it is to will and to, it is that, that power that God is working in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. Our effort is for God's good pleasure, to please him, to glorify him, to honor him. And he provides what we need. He provides a work, his work, to totally transform our wills. I think that's what Paul is referring to in the phrase to will and to work. It points to our wills being behind our work and that God radically redeems us. He radically changes everything about us. He changes our minds. He changes our affections and he changes our wills to enable us to obey it is because of God's work. It is because of God empowering us that Paul is able to command us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we have hope because the determining factor is not our effort, but the powerful work of God in us. So on the one hand, we are to work, we are to strive, we are to really get with it in obeying God. On the other hand, God is powerfully working in us He's the power source enabling us to obey. Now, because of this, obedience is a matter of faith. Our striving, our effort to obey is a response to God's powerful work in us. And we see this in passages like 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. This is a gift of God. That is, faith is a gift of God. And not a result of works so that no one can boast. The powerful work of God in saving us. And then it enables this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We can say for obedience. Which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're called to obedience. We're called to be about those good works. And God provides the power to do it. He saves us by grace through faith. He is at work. He creates us. He recreates us in Christ. He enables us. Another beautiful prayer in Ephesians, just a, just a few verses away, is the prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians in chapter 3 and verses 16 through 19. It really shows us a, a, a crucial dynamic of the Christian life. What the Christian life looks like. And what it looks like is every minute of every day realizing that we can't love others, we can't do the good works that God has called us to do apart from His enabling grace that is received through faith. So listen as I read this prayer. Paul prays that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You see, our obedience is a function of our inner being. It's not a function of our actions. It's a function of our heart attitude. Obedience, true obedience comes from within. To strengthen with power through His Spirit in your inner being, Paul says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then Paul goes on in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask, according to the power at work in us. The power at work in us that is received only one way. It is received by total dependent faith upon God. That's what Paul says. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Obedience is a matter of faith. And faith for me, simple, looks like this. Taking a plug to a light and going to the electrical outlet and plugging the plug in the electrical outlet. And the power flows through that cord to that light bulb and it shines. We're to shine. We're to obey. And an obedient Christian shine. Obedient Christians shine because they're plugged into Jesus. Faith. They're dependent. They pray this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians. They've got to have the power in their inner being, and that only comes by faith, plugging in, and the light comes on. The Christian life is a life of repentance, faith, obedience, and obedient Christians shine as witnesses to the glory and majesty exalted Christ because our work is responding to God's work in us. And our work of obedience 
honors and glorifies the source of the power, God. Trust and obey, as Fanny Crosby wrote in her hymn, for there's no other way, and the hymn goes, to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. I want to change it. I love changing Fanny Crosby hymns. I want to change, not that they're wrong, I I just love changing them. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to shine for Jesus in this dark world. Faith and obedience. Having commanded us to strive to grow in obedience and to shine as witnesses exalted Christ, Paul now turns to the second thing. Work out, now do all. The second thing, the goal of obedience and what hinders us striving for that goal. We'll pick up with this next week. I've got too much to say and too little time to say it. But I want to leave you with trust and obey, for there's no other way to shine as a witness to the glory and majesty of the exalted Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work of grace in our lives. Thank you that you command us to strive with every strength, bit of strength in our being to obey, to work out our salvation, which is to obey. And I pray, Father, that you would remind us that all of our striving is important, but the more important thing is that it's a response to your powerful work of grace in our lives. And that you, oh God, would so fill us with the love of Christ that literally we would overflow and gush forth love and obedience that we'd be characterized by that. And so, Father, I trust you to work. I pray for you to work. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would take your hymnal and turn to it, just a wonderful hymn that enables us to affirm our zeal to be poured out in service to Jesus. All for Jesus, hymn number 565. Please stand. <laughs> 